this is Voicemail, the Universal Postal Union's podcast covering the wonderful world of mail. I'm your host, Ian Kerr. How can posts help in the fight against illicit trade? Well, joining me in this episode is Jeff Hardy, Director General at the Transnational Alliance to Combat Illicit Trade, or Trace It. We talk about the damage illicit trade causes, the risks it poses to society and to economic development, and some of the initiatives that are being put in place to clamp down on global illicit trade. Joining me on the line is Jeff Hardy. Jeff is Director General at the Transnational Alliance to Combat Illicit Trade, also known as Trace It. Jeff, welcome to the UPU Voicemail Podcast. We ask all of our guests, what is your first memory of the post? Well, Ian, first of all, let me say thanks for uh, inviting me. Uh, to join this podcast. It's a real honor. We've been working with the UPU quite a bit over the last couple of years. Um, and so this is, it's a real opportunity to speak to, you know, some of their constituents. But, you know, it's an interesting question, but I actually have an answer to that. Uh, I have a really early memory of the post. My next door neighbor, when I was a little kid growing up, was retired postman from the U.S. Postal Service. And, uh, I used to go over to his house and listen to stories that he told. He was just my favorite, favorite person. And I always wanted to be a postman just because of him. So, so that's my earliest story. But you know what? I was thinking about that. Um, there's a little bit more to it. You know, I remember my mom telling me that, you know, it was illegal to open someone's mail and disrespectful. You should never open anyone's mail. And um, I've always remembered that. And I think she was trying to tell me how important privacy is. And, you know, I've thought about that now that I have kids. I've passed that story on to my own kids. And I, you know, if they get something in the mail, I proudly put it on their desk. You know, they got mail. Um, And I don't open it. I don't question it. I want them to enjoy, you know, that great story that they got something in the mail. But as a parent, you start to think, well, I wonder if there's something dangerous in there or who did that come from? You know, and it's still, you know, the, still the golden rule is the privacy aspect of it, but there is this aspect where at what point do we balance privacy with security? And, you know, I'm not making this story up, but it fits perfectly into what we're talking about today. It's that, you know, the rule is you don't open that post, but at some point, is there a point that we need to we need to protect ourselves? It's a profound question. Where does the boundary exist between privacy and the need for security? Why don't we just start off though with a discussion about what Trace It is? So it's a it's a relatively recent initiative, I suppose. Well, as we've just hinted, you know, the trade in illicit goods is hardly a new problem. So, can you just expand a little bit on what Trace It's mission is, its mandate, and then the sort of the purpose that drives the, its creation. Yeah, well, you're right. You know, illicit trade is not new in any way. You know, it's been around for a long time. I think what's new or newer, at least, is that it's rapid growth in the size and the number of products that are being traded, the quantity of products that are being traded across boards, the scope of products that are being tra- traded across borders, 
you know, that's what's new, not illicit trade. And and that's one of the main reasons that we created Trace It. We really feel like there, well, there is a need for greater capabilities for a wider scope to fight the problem. You know, I think the second reason that we created it, at least, is because, you know, there are commonalities in the way that illicit trade you know, occurs. And we're talking about <laughs> illicit trade in counterfeits and smuggled tobacco or alcohol, uh, pharmaceuticals, you know, even pesticides, petroleum, you know, um, illicit trade in wildlife, um, forestry products. I mean, the, the scope is enormous. And as we started to look at some of the sectors, we realized that there are commonalities in the way that these products are traded. You know, there are similarities in the people, the criminal groups that are behind it. You know, there are weaknesses in the supply chain that enables these products, you know, to be traded, right? Free trade zones, for example, e-commerce platforms, mail carriers, express, you know, maritime shipping. These are all legal and critical parts of the global supply chain. You know, that that's how we get a legal product from one place to another, but those are also vulnerable to exploitation by these criminal groups. And what we've found over and over is that some of these same weaknesses apply. You know, there's weaknesses in the way that governments try to enforce regular, uh, put regulations in place or try to enforce those laws or penalize those criminals or even educate the end consumers so our approach was let's you know kind of take a more holistic uh, approach to the whole thing. Let's look at this illegal trade across all the different sectors. Let's look at those common vulnerabilities and let's see if you know maybe we can do something you know where where one if one act that we do might benefit uh, more than one type of illicit trade. So that's why we put Trace it together. What kind of regional differences are you seeing then? You mentioned all these different categories of goods that might be traded illegally, illicitly, cross-board or even within regions. What Are you seeing any differences between the regions? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, but if I say there are differences between the regions, I could say there are differences between countries, there are differences between states. You know, but at the, at the same time, it's all the same. Um, you know, I hate to say that. Um, at the UPU, for example, we, we did the survey, we'll probably talk about it shortly, where we looked at how illicit trade was occurring in five of the different regions there. And the commonalities were almost exactly the same. Sometimes the type of product differed a little bit, a little bit more counterfeiting in one region, maybe a little bit more wildlife trade, you know, trade in I- illegal ivory or things like that in another Um, You know, certainly we see in the sourcing side of it, you know, there are regional differences with between, you know, countries or regions that have a wealth of natural resources such as fish or rare types of wood um, or petroleum or minerals that are, you know, illegally exported out of their countries. You know, so we see differences there. On the consumer side, a lot of it's the same, you know, because the criminal groups are counterfeiting so many different types of 
products, you know, everyday products like shampoos, you know, or electronic products that everyone uses, even in the least developed countries are more and more starting to use, you know, mobile phones, for example. So um, on the consumer side, it's anywhere and everywhere, you know, the criminals can sell the product. So I don't think it's the regional differences that matter so much. It's that illicit trade has grown hand in hand with globalism. And, you know, as we've, we, the world, um, you know, the commercial sector has done a better job of, you know, diversifying its product productivity and getting one product from one side of the globe to the other creates more and more opportunities, more and more vulnerabilities like we talked about a minute ago, you know, for the criminals to, to kind of crack in there. So, I tend to look at it as a global problem, you know, with certain similar aspects than something that, you know, I can chop up region by region. So then when you look at how, well, I ask this as a question really, does illicit trade affect things like socioeconomic development of communities? And I mean, does this even fit into this concept of sustainable development as well? Is, is illicit trade taking something away from communities instead of allowing communities to be sustainable? There's no doubt that illicit trade undermines achievement of the sustainable development goals and takes away from development, let alone sustainable development, that illicit trade unfairly impacts lesser developed countries than more developed countries. And, you know, a little bit a minute ago, I was just talking about globalization, for example. You have, you know, sister organizations to the UPU inside the UN family, like the UN Conference on Trade and Development or the World Trade Organization. These governance bodies are trying to make sure that everyone benefits from global trade. Our standards of living have increased significantly over the last 20, 30, 40 years because of the efficiencies of trade. Because, you know, one country is better at growing corn and another country is better at, you know, assembling car parts. That's how, you know, globalization works. So the objective is how can we make trade benefit everyone? And what I'm asking the UPU to do, what I'm asking the UN to do is step back a little bit and think how illegal trade is actually working directly against those objectives. It's draining money out of global GDP. It's robbing countries of legal jobs that pay reliable salaries that enable companies to offer insurance programs, you know, for families. And then we looked at lots of other aspects of sustainable development. You know, there's people who consume illicit alcohol that's, you know, that's poisonous or illicit pharmaceuticals that don't have the intended medicines in them. You know, they're vulnerable to health, uh, health risks. And that's an important part of the UN Sustainable Development Goals is improving global health. You know, there are a lot of other goals of how we protect life on land, such as, you know, um, rare or becoming more rare rhinoceros and elephants and certain types of fish that are harvested out of our oceans. You know, how do we protect life on land? How do we how do we fight climate change? You know, the fact that there are all these illegal products out there are really sort of clogging up the system. And, you know, 
detracting from a country's ability to to grow and develop. Earlier, you mentioned the wide variety of things, things, goods, I suppose, that uh, can be trafficked illicitly. Would you say that there are any main industries affected by the move of illicit goods and services? And what you mentioned before that the post can be a channel that's used. So what are the major channels used and how much is our network, the Global Postal Network, involved? Well, there's, Ian, I think there might have been two or three questions in there. Well, let's start with the the industries and the sectors. I mean, you'd be surprised. It's, uh, again, back to the top of this conversation of why we started this. You know, the uh, food sector is vulnerable to illicit trade. It's sometimes called food fraud. Whether it's end products that land on your table that are tainted with, um, you know, inferior inputs or ingredients, or whether it's, you know, illegal smuggling of commodities like, um, you know, uh, chocolate or cocoa or sugar. The alcohol sector, there's enormous amount of illicit trade in the alcohol sector. Some of the industry studies put that at one in four bottles, one out of every four bottles. You've probably even read yourself news stories from certain countries. People drink this stuff and they die or they lose their eyesight or they go to the hospital. I'm not going to you know, go into every single one of these, but illegal har- harvesting of fish is a, is, you know, that's a major part of our global food chain, right? Illegal forestry. Uh, some of our member companies are in the um, agrochemical and pesticides uh, industry, you know, that helps, helps us grow, you know, our food stock. Those are very vulnerable to illicit trade. I mentioned petroleum. We do a lot of work in pharmaceuticals. Some of our companies are pharmaceutical companies. Uh, smuggling of tobacco. I mentioned wildlife, and virtually every product you can imagine is has been counterfeited. So those are the those are the sectors that we work in. You know, there are other sectors. Just to transition over a little bit to the UPU. You know, there are other sectors of illicit trade that the UPU has been concerned about for many years, and particularly narcotics. At Trace It, we don't deal with narcotics specifically. You know, the UPU and the Postal Security Group are concerned about narcotics, arms, a bomb in a box, you know, some of those the, some of those security things that we were talking about at the top end. Trace It, Trace it looks more at the commercial side of things, those types of industries, like I mentioned, like illegal pharmaceuticals. That's where we bring a little bit of a different perspective to the table. The Postal Security Group has been looking at, you know, this form of illicit trade. And I think mainly our pitch to them was, you know, you're doing some great work in protecting postal customers from perhaps a hazardous end result. While you're at it, you know, we want to draw your attention to the fact that illicit trade in many, many other sectors, perhaps less risky than a bomb in a box, but that these other sectors present, you know, challenges, concerns, risks to the postal users, risks to postal workers, and costs to the global postal infrastructure. I mean, there were reports that are being done by the OECD. I don't have the exact number, but I mean, that's more costs. That's more burdens, you know, on the sorting. That's more burdens on the security. It's more burden on the distribution and delivery of the product. You know, so there's a lot of reasons, you know, to get these to get the illegal illegal packages out of the system. 
let's move on to the idea of combating illicit trade. Um, so what are the most efficient mechanisms and tools to, to combat illicit trade and how does Traceit leverage these and what role is there for partnerships as well in all of this? A lot of it rests with the government. And even though I'm a business association, I don't want to say there's not a role for business. There's certainly a role for business. That All of the companies that are members of Traceit are investing enormous amounts in securing their supply chains, in knowing, you know, who those customers are, who the sellers are, improving the security. But from our perspective, you know, it's, it always comes back to the fact this is an illegal activity that's being conducted by criminals in almost every instance. And so like any other criminal activity, you know, most governments have put in place, you know, um, some type of policing body, you know, to protect the rest of us. (laughs) And that's where we concentrate is how can we, how can we make governments more effective? Is there some way they can learn from each other? Is there some way Australia, you mentioned you're from Australia, you know, could learn from France um, in terms of, you know, a better way to run a postal system. And the idea though, so one of the things that we do is that we, we publish reports, we look at best practices, we try to share those things around. In other words, sometimes we don't need to reinvent the wheel. Some of the governments already have good regulations in place. So we try to promote a better regulatory environment. We try to encourage governments, you know, to invest more in the enforcement of those laws you know, you've gone to the effort of creating those laws. You know, we need more enforcement here. One way to ensure that there's better enforcement is to, you know, do better education, to point to the harms, to point to the losses, to point to the health and safety risks, to point to the the negative impacts, as you said earlier, on sustainable development. You know, it's that if we can reach governments and thought leaders throughout government and show them, you know, how illicit trade work so negatively throughout the whole economy and society, maybe, you know, they can prioritize enforcement here. Maybe they can raise the penalties on these criminals, you know, to try to, you know, deter them from doing it again. And, you know, there's a, there's a number of ways that we go about doing that, but that's for the most part, you know, the tools we actually use. You mentioned partnerships. Well, that's exactly, you know, what takes us to the UPU is there something that we've been doing in terms of, you know, uh, quantifying the problem and the scope, like we talked about before, uh, showing where the harms are and who's harmed? Is there something that Trace it can bring to the table that might help the UPU? Um, and is there something that the UPU can do to help us with our overall mis- mission, which is just to shut down? illicit trade across all these product sectors. I, that, that's sort of what brought us all together. Um, and that's what the partnership's all about. And I think, you know, better risk profiling data and things like that. So there's, in my opinion, there's enormous value to partnership, whether I'm partnering with other business organizations or government organizations. A lot of postal operators listening to this will say, all right, well, 
we want to do something about this. We don't want to. We want to protect our staff. We want to protect our consumers. We want to help. You know, we see ourselves as playing a, a community role as well. So, what can postal operators do to support you know, not just open and fair trade, but also prevent the move of prohibited items at the same time? Well, there's quite a few things that they can do. But you know, the what's what's great about the collaboration that we've had with the UPU over the last year or so is that. It wasn't us telling them. This collaboration started with us and the secretariat there at the UPU asking the regional operators, you know, what it what is it that, you know, what's your wish list? What is it that you could do better or that the UPU could help you with or that the private sector could help with? So in the end, we kind of come up with this collaborative list of things that we should concentrate on. And, you know, first and foremost, one of them is starting off with increasing awareness. And, you know, I, that's why I was really so happy to, to do this interview, because really understanding, you know, the scope of illicit trade beyond what they what a postal worker might normally be useful or used to is is a big first step. Understanding the awareness, the harms of the economy, society, security. But you know we're also setting out to improve the standards, um, data exchange. I think sixty percent of the RDOs uh, all mention that there's insufficient amount of data for them to do you know internal risk management. Lack of awareness throughout the global post system is one thing. So improving that awareness, improving the accuracy of data. I mentioned insufficient data, but some of that data is is accuracy. So how can we do a better job of being more accurate in what we collect? A lot of the area that needs some work could be on improving the capacity. Uh, So doing some capacity building, there's a greater need for digitalization Throughout the global postal system, number of the national postal services, you know, would love to have uh, greater IT systems, greater data exchange systems, and even some more physical technologies like X-rays and you know, better way for them to improve their inspections and other types of interventions. So, Jeff, just in the time we have left, can you tell us a little bit about the MOU that uh, has been signed between Traces and the UPU? So what are the objectives of this new MOU and what's its expected impact on securing the international supply chain? Well, you know, the MOU is a, Ian, that's a fancy word for how we can work together. The whole concept of public-private partnerships, we're the private side, UPU and the Postal Service are the public side. That's It's really growing importance as the way the UN does business. And so the PPP, the public-private partnership, really more than an acronym these days, it's the way that we get things done. It's recognizing that different people, different organizations bring different things to the table. And, you know, we've established our expertise in illicit trade and, you know, your constituents clearly are the ones that, you know, deliver the mail around the world. And it's an excellent collaboration for us to concentrate on, like I said earlier, one of the number one areas where illicit trade is growing. And that's the exploitation of the global postal and parcel service. But also, you know, it's not just the national post, but also the express carriers. And we're talking to the express carriers as well. 
So the MOU gives us a basis to collaborate with each other, you know, such as doing the survey and the recent policy paper that we that we studied. And it helps us kind of, you know, set, create a, maybe, I guess, a roadmap for how we can work together. Now, I mentioned some of the specifics that we need to work on, but the overall MOU really just enables us to concentrate on things like raising awareness. You know, it gives us an opportunity to look at what standards are currently out there in terms of security and decide, you know, maybe what might need to be improved. I think there are a lot, I mentioned best practices before, the MOU allows us to look at best practices, share best practices. It gives us an opportunity to maybe do some pilot programs, which I'm really excited about. You know, this is a great opportunity for us to go in and look at how illicit trade happens in those countries and how their postal system is abused, where those products are going, and see if we can make some changes. So it enables us to look at some pilot projects, you know, maybe develop some future proposals and ideas together and, you know, go back to that whole thing with the the SDGs. Implementing you know, the UN Sustainable Development Goals is the roadmap for all of us. And you know we're really committed to that and working with UPU on that as well. So the MOU ties together quite a few things for us. Now, if anybody wants to find out more about Traceit, the website is traceit.org, T-R-A-C-I-T.org. You can go over there and find out all about the Transnational Alliance to Combat Illicit Trade. Jeffrey Hardy, Director General at the Transnational Alliance to Combat Illicit Trade. Thank you very much for joining us on the UPU Voicemail Podcast today. Thank you, Ian. It was a real pleasure to join you and uh, share some of our views. You've been listening to Voicemail, the official podcast of the Universal Postal Union. Subscribe to the podcast on your favourite podcast platform and you'll get each episode downloaded to the device of your choosing as it's released. My thanks to the team at the UPU for their help putting together this episode. I'm your host, Ian Kerr, and I look forward to your company next time on Voicemail, the podcast of the UPU.